Welcome back to the United Pubcast, the podcast of the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. And welcome, Larry, and welcome everyone in the live chat to probably rock bottom. Um, I've been asked in recent weeks, and probably this whole season, but especially in the last month or so, has this been, is this the worst that it's felt since post-Fergie? And if we're talking post-Fergie, it's really my whole life, really, in terms of Ferguson took over before I was born, two years before I was born. So is this the lowest I've felt as a Manchester United fan? And I've always given the answer the last couple of weeks. And no, nah, there's probably been one or two moments worse, maybe under the David Moyes era, maybe when we got knocked out under Louis van Gaal when he subbed one matter off for Nick Powell when we are in the Champions League. There has been some low points, and I thought, never quite there. I'll get into my reasoning a little bit later, but five minutes before the game, it dawned on me that this is the lowest I've felt as a Man United fan, Larry. Well, it was a hell of a sighting lineup. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Uh, not unexpected either. I mean, you can understand the the logic behind Ralph Rennick, but he, the concern for me, Tom, you just forget the match, forget forget the game. It all we lost in the pre-match for me. If you look at what the German said in his presser, I think I think did he say it post-match to Norwich? He, he basically no, sorry, it was the presser for the Liverpool game. He goes, "We need to be aggressive. If we play the way we do, we will lose." And it almost hinted off. I mean, I like Ralph Rennick. I find him refreshing in the sense of he'll be brutally honest. But I think he almost conceded a loss before a ball was even kicked. And I think that's a little bit cause for concern. Now, obviously, we will get into individual performances later. Uh, And as the title suggests, you know, get out of our club to many of the players. Uh, But... You know, look, I think United were always going to lose this game. So I'd counter argue to you and say, you know what? Spare the outrage because you and I both predicted that this result was very likely. So why do we sit here outraged when a spade's going to be a spade? That looked definitely hard to argue, but there will be plenty of arguments. I'm sure sure everyone will be on the same side of many arguments, but we'll get to everyone in the live chat. But before we do get started, obviously, um, we haven't spoken, Larry face-to-face um, since the news will obviously start on it. Just 30 seconds quickly on it. Um, it's hard to say, actually, first time really speaking out loud about it, but obviously the very sad news about Cristiano Ronaldo and his newborn son obviously passing away. So just I'm sure everyone in the live chat and Larry as well, obviously our condolences, and I'm sure we'll discuss Ronaldo's situation a little bit more in regards to when he's going to come back. But in my opinion, Larry, weird situation. Everyone's saying, oh, is he going to be back this week or next week? Off the top of my head... I'm happy for him to have the season off. I think it's his decision now if he has once a couple of weeks off and that takes him to the end of the season. I'm fully supported of that because we're frustrated, we're emotional over this football match. This football match at the end of the day doesn't mean anything. And um, Cristiano Ronaldo's lost a son. Just your thoughts, not your thoughts, but just how you how do you cope with it? Because obviously Ronaldo and his family obviously coping in their own way, but it's, it kind of does hit us fans no matter where you live in the world. Yeah, of course it is. It's awful news. And, you know, we we shared on Twitter, we shared it on our social media platforms, calling out the trolls. Just uh, that's the part I really found unacceptable. I mean, miscarriages are very common, Tom. Um, I I know this wasn't really a miscarriage in the traditional sense, but, you know, look, it's awful. In terms of Cristiano Ronaldo, like you said, I'm I'm happy for If he doesn't want to feel up to playing for the rest of the season, he's entitled to that. In saying that, knowing the competitor Cristiano Ronaldo is, I, I look. He might miss the Arsenal match. I think he'll be back not long after that. Um, it could have been worse as well. I mean, I, I take I take peace in the fact Ronaldo and Georgina took peace in the fact they had twins. They thankfully the, the girl came out healthy, nice and healthy. And I think that you know, of course, no loss of any life is good. But I hopefully that softened the blow for the Ronaldo family. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I'm sure everyone in the live chat, there are uh, a lot of live chats um, in the comment box. We do truly appreciate it. So I won't be able to get to them all because it is flying in today, but I'm sure everyone does echo those thoughts. And, um, yeah, best wishes to Ronaldo, Georgina, and the rest of their family. Um, fingers crossed. Um, everyone get back to normal and see him on the pitch doing what he loves doing um, as soon as he wants to. So that's a discussion for another day in regards to when Ronaldo returns. But, again, sorry for not getting to everyone in the live chat. It is buzzing today, which is great. Please do leave a like on the video. Um, to try and cheer us up after a hard day, sort of hard day. And Larry, we're going to get into sort of individuals and pretty much just individuals will pretty much go through every individual and talk about why they need to leave the club. But in regards to that, you mentioned before the match, why I reckon this is rock bottom is not the result, not the, or the, yes, the performance and the lack of effort does obviously, I think, contribute to that. However, a couple of weeks ago, we went into that game against Manchester City, not a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago at Old Trafford. Even the Liverpool match at Old Trafford, those two weeks where we lost 2-0 and 5-0 respectively. Five minutes before kickoff, when going into that game, we knew we were going to lose. We knew Manchester City were going to play us off the park and beat us. We knew Liverpool were going to dominate and beat us quite handsomely. But five minutes before those kickoffs, Larry, you, the, the fan in you, you had that, oh, hang on, maybe if we have a good day, maybe they could have a slow start, we can capitalise, and there's, maybe we could see a chance of us winning. This game, that buzz was not there before before the game. I called the day before that I thought we we're going to lose 5-0. And I thought, well, maybe come kickoff, there'll be that little bit of buzz. And, well, hang on, maybe we can maybe sneak something, maybe sneak a 1-1 draw. No, five minutes before kickoff, I thought we we're going to lose 5-0. And I think that is where it dawned on me where that's never been the case. One, never been the case in a football match, but especially never been the case going to Anfield. And that is why that feeling I had pre-match is why I think this is the worst I've felt as a Man United fan because that is not how a Man United fan and it looked like how the players went into the match, to, to be fair, but especially as a fan, shouldn't be going into a match feeling like that. No, of course not, mate. I, I, I share all your sentiments there. It, it was an unacceptable performance. And, man, I'm just holding my tongue. I've got, I've got a nice speech for good old Captain Fridge. But, look, nonetheless, Tom, I just thought some of those players, you know what, I'll focus on the one positive. I think that's the way to cap my point. Hannibal showed more heart in 10 minutes on the pitch than any other player who preceded him. And that's an 18-year-old kid who's got no right. No one else showed that desire. I think Alenga tries. So, you know, Bruno Fernandes absolutely tries. I think he knows what it means to be a Manchester United player. And regardless of what you think of his form, he, you can't question Fernandes's desire. I think the Portuguese runs every single time he's on the pitch. And, I, you know, it, and at times it can be a bit lazy to say every player is lazy. David De Gea comes out with glory because he's the one who's basically been putting in the shifts all night long. But look, you can lose a game. I don't demand as a fan, and like anyone in the comments like you, no one demands, no one earns the right to have guaranteed three points every game. That's not what you ask for. And if you ask for that, you're deluded, okay? But what you do demand is a level of performance, a level of respect for the shirt you're wearing. And that's simply not there. There's a lack of desire. There are players who are hiding. There's just so much that is not you're just breaking up there a little bit, but I just uh, hopefully you come back in. But in regards to, you mentioned a few individuals and uh, you mentioned two players there in Phil Jones and Hannibal and obviously came on, Phil Jones started the match and Hannibal came on quite late in the piece. And I'm just thinking, I had a discussion with Emad before we went live and it was chatting. They're maybe I'm not saying Phil Jones was a positive in this match, but considering the situation, he probably does come out of it as one of the people who can hold their heads up high and especially Hannibal, which we'll get into. 
was it unfair to play them? Was it unfair to pick Phil Jones from the start and throw him in the deep end in that situation, given how many sort of little minutes he has had? And also at 3-0 up or 4-0 up, what was it? It would have been 3-0 up when Hannibal came on. Is that the time? I know it's not his debut, but it's pretty much his debut. Is that the time to be trying to kid on? And we can get into why he's the only shining light of the match. But from Ralph Franks, would, would that not have been the case to just throw a Eric Bay or a one matter, an experienced professional on? Like, okay, Hannibal's sort of warmed himself to Man United fans now. But, and this is not a blame on Ralph Franks in regards to the results, but picking Phil Jones and throwing Hannibal in the deep end like that, I thought um, was unfair in my opinion. No, I don't agree with that. I mean, look, there's never going to be a perfect time. In an ideal scenario, Tom, you're 3-0 up and you get to debut all the kids. And let, another, let another professional or leave the players who put us put ourselves in that position, let them suffer in front of the TV cameras. Don't throw a kid on there and give him the spotlight. Yeah, but by that same token, we've got our fan base saying, we'll just play the kids. These guys don't give a shit anyway. So, like, you know what I mean? There's always going to be a perfect excuse not to play them and there's never going to be a perfect time to play them. At the end of the day, Hannibal, in my opinion... Didn't do anything brilliant, but he showed his, he's got ability. He shows he's got ability to progress the ball. And he showed, more importantly, he's got a little bit of ticker about him. Making, well, like you said, not his proper debut, but we'll call it a debut. At Anfield, when you're 4-0 down, there's not a worse place to be. Yeah. And he showed him a little bit of character. He had every reason to be a shell of himself. Harry Maguire didn't help him, gave him the hospital pass of the season. Mm. But nonetheless, I thought he comes out strong. And if he can handle that... There's nothing he can't handle in this game. Well, just one point here. I want to move on. I want to save in the Harry Maguire discussion for a little bit. But Tom, he's saying we should be chucking all the academy players to play the last remaining games. Nothing more to lose. At least you'll see some fight. And look, I'm doing my best to look past this Liverpool game. And I'm already looking forward to the Arsenal match on a Saturday night. Um, obviously, the Man United Supporters Club will be watching the match at Scruffy Murphy's. And I'm already trying to focus on that match to look forward to something at least. And I was putting together a start in 11. And I tried to be realistic in not too many youth players and what Ralph Frank will do and also what I would want to see. And I still found room. I showed you the team, Larry. There must have been four or five academy players in there, close to it, So, um, and a few big names dropped. So um, that is discussion for the preview, which we'll have probably Friday night. But just moving on, and look, there's two big sort of elephants in the room we'll discuss in a little bit. But in regards to on that academy track, um, Scott McTominay, I just want to touch on him in relation to two players. Um, both Paul Pogba and Edison Cavani. Now, Scott McTominay has been injured for a week or two. He's missed a game or two. And um, Ralph Frank came out in the pre-match sort of interview saying, look, Scott McTominay is still carrying a bit of an injury, but he's he's asked to play. He wants to be sort of fit and available. If the team needs him, he's put his hand up for selection. So I've put him on the bench. And if the situation calls for it, I'll throw him on in the second half. You see that attitude from Scott McTominay and the criticism he gets as a footballer, and criticism valid at times in terms of his ability, that's up for interpretation, and everyone's entitled to their opinion on him as a, as a footballer. But in regards to what this squad and what this club needs, that attitude there, I can only stand up and applaud it because we've seen Edison Cavani, who doesn't have an injury. Now, I don't want to accuse him, but pretty much nine times out of ten, you can sort of assume that he doesn't have an injury and says, no, I want to save myself for this or save myself for that, or he's slow in getting back from his um, international duty. And on the other hand, who I think took Scott McTominay's place today in the lineup with Paul Pogba, I want your thoughts on this one. And tell me if I'm harsh and in the comments, tell me if I'm deluded and over the top in this situation. I was talking to a mate of mine before the game, Larry, about 40 minutes before the game. I woke up an hour early, don't know why, just suffering. I said to him, I have a feeling Paul Pogba was going to put his hand up after the first goal and come off. Now, I didn't know that goal was going to come after five minutes. I thought maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I thought Pogba will find a way out. And I don't want to accuse him of faking an injury, but that was my first instinct 40 minutes before kickoff. Five minutes into the game, Liverpool score a goal. Paul Pogba's hand comes up. 
and he limps off the field. Am I wrong to accuse him of faking injury? Because my gut instinct, he didn't want to be out there. He saw a way out and he took it. He saw what that first five minutes was like and he saw what Thiago was doing. And Paul Pogba said, F this, not for me today. I'm off. Yeah, I think he's injured. I don't think he was injured to the extent where he needed to come off. I can't recall. You know what? It might have even been in a different sport. But there's an analogy that I've heard fairly commonly by some Australian commentary. Uh, Forgive me. It might have been rugby league. But it's... This old saying of when you're winning, the players always want to be involved. You heal quicker. You, you want to be on the pitch. When you're when you're injured, you, you you don't want to come off. And when you're losing, it's the opposite. And the injury, well, a bruised leg feels like a broken leg. Jet lag feels like you just traveled from Africa to Australia around three times. Everything's just that touch bit harder. I think everything just got a bit too hard for Paul Pogba today, Tom. Like you said... I think if, if that was a title match, if that if that was a deciding factor in United going first, do you think Paul Pogba comes off with a calf strain? Please, he stays on. You know he stays yeah. on. And that's the difference. That's where United's at at the moment. Like you said, Paul Pogba, he's off. We both know that. He's got five games left in his Manchester United career if, he, if he's Well, fit. do you think that's almost the last of image in terms of the Anfield crowd waving him off after five minutes in terms of him just limping off in terms of that little bit of a strut he has, in terms of summing up his time at United, you'd ultimately say quite disappointing. But that, is that almost a lasting image, do you think? Do, could you see him in the United shirt again? We're obviously under the assumption that he's not going to be here next season. So if this is, a let's say, an injury, we're not going to see Paul Pogba, in my opinion, for the rest of the season. Well, it didn't look a serious injury to me. If he's come off, it's a calf strain. I can't imagine it's serious, Tom. Look, you and I both came on here three weeks ago. We said it. We, we don't want to see him in a United shirt again. I happily would have copped it, and I'll accept the results that come with that. I mean, we, we basically played without him today. And I just thought, you know, given R- R- Ronaldo didn't play for different but personal and completely understandable circumstances, given the players who were missing, like he said, Scott McTominay willing to put his hand up to sacrifice his own body, probably to the detriment of himself and his own career, but making himself available, whatever you think of his ability, he loves this club. He'll fight for this club. The same with Fred. Look at Paul Pogba, all the ability in the world, double the player than both of them in ability-wise. I'll take Scott McTominay over Paul Pogba all day long. You look at the two players we missed today. Who are the two players we missed? McTominay and Fred. Unbelievable. When you think, and look, we have rightfully criticised them in regards to their ability and in terms of what they mean for the football side of things going forward. Forget football. Like this game wasn't about football. Here we are. We haven't questioned. We're just going to get into Harry Maguire's passing and maybe some of his, his defensive decisions and everything else. But we haven't discussed tactics or football or passing or touch or the Rashford's touch when he was through on goal at times. We've discussed effort. And that is what this team needs at the moment. Unfortunately, that's the case. And that's something we shouldn't be striving for. We shouldn't be praising effort. But unfortunately, the situation we're in, as I said, this is the worst I've felt as a Man United fan. When I do see someone put a bit of effort in, whether it be Hannibal, whether it be Fred or whether it be McTominay, sadly, I am going to praise it and I am going to reward that. And when they're both fit, they're almost first names on the team sheet for me now in regards to McTominay and Fred. Now, this show I haven't sort of put down in terms of a list in sort of chronological order in terms of the things we want to go through, whether we want to go through all their goals. I don't know if we've got time to go through all their goals, Larry. They scored four of them, buddy hell. And it could have been yeah. 10 if they really wanted to, which is scary. Like at, like at Old Trafford, it was five. Could have been seven or eight. Here it was four. There was that 20-minute spell at the start of the second half where they just sort of tried to cruise through when the United started to get a bit of a sort of foothold in the match. They sort of turned it up a gear and finished the game off in style. So unfortunately, well, fortunately, it was only four. 
But I'm just thinking before we get into the Harry Maguire situation, is there any other talking points that popped up from the match or in and around what's happening at the moment? Oh, look, I just want to look part. You know what? We we obviously have a Manchester United lens when we come on here. Can I just say Liverpool didn't get out of first gear? They really didn't. It was all too easy. Ma- did you see Mohamed Salah's comments post match? He basically. Yeah. I, I, I see. I see Norwich players making that comment. I see Aston Villa players making that comment. That like how like that's embarrassing. If you're United players, how do you look yourselves in the mirror, man? That's what and then I, got, I had that feeling. I had that oh. feeling early in regards to these players have phones. They've got internet at home. I'm sure they have the best internet. I'm sure they've got big flat screen TVs. I'm sure they all have a Sky subscription or Man United pay for their Sky subscription. They're seeing what Roy Keane's saying. They're seeing what Gary Neville's saying. They're seeing what fans are saying. Now, yes, there's a professional prayer where they look in the mirror and okay, are they taking note of what they see in the mirror? That's another debate. But they're human. You, you look for information. You look for opinions from outside sources. They can see what is being said, especially by respect. Okay, they're not listening to this podcast, but they're listening to Gary Neville and Roy Keane. And when they see club legends question their integrity as professionals, what do they do the next morning when they walk into training? Because that's going to be topic number one. They're going to say, to see what he said about me? And, and I'm just thinking, how do they do it? I don't know. Well, Harry Maguire is walking in and thinking he deserves to play every week. So he clearly doesn't listen to Roy Keane. He is he's he's captain fantastic fridge fridge tastic Harry Maguire. So he doesn't listen to the criticism. He doesn't need to listen to the criticism. He's faultless apparently. Well, we'll get it, the nice segue into Harry Maguire, and please do get your comments in in regards to our leader and our captain, um, so-called Captain Harry Maguire. But do try and keep. I'll try and get to as many comments as possible. But um, as you can imagine, there are plenty of comments flying in, which we do truly appreciate. If you think Harry Maguire has play, should have played his last game, one as captain, and also for Manchester United after his pre-match comments, please do leave a like on the video. That'll be very much appreciated, and we'll cheer Larry up very much. But just. We'll start before the game with Harry Maguire because there were some goals to discuss in regards to um, his performance and sort of the narrative around Harry Maguire. But pre-match, these quotes came out. It must have come out a few hours before kickoff. We set the alarm for 5 a.m. I was up at 4 a.m. And these quotes came out in regards to he did an interview and he spoke about... Actually, I don't even have the quotes in front of it. I don't know what the question was. But he, he, had, he had the opportunity to get out in front of this and put a marker down as Man United captain and say something, whether he believed it or not, he had the opportunity there, free Mike, to get out in front of this and say the right thing by Manchester United and by himself. But he came out, and there's, there's a few ways to dissect this, but we've all seen the quotes, Larry, in regards to saying, well, yeah, okay, I've had a bad performance here or there, but ultimately I've been good, and the reason I've been good, two managers have continued to select me every single week, so that shows I must be playing well. Talk to me. What do you say? He just puts his foot in his mouth. Like, even if he believes that, read the room. Oh, that, that's the, that's the thing. There's been so many. That's, that, that's the thing. And that, that term, I don't know if that term, read the room, has been around for a while, but we've seen it in politics and especially seen it in football over the last six to 12 months. That is the thing. Because at the end of the day, if you just dissect his words, he's actually right in what he's saying. He is picking. It's the manager's picking him. It's the manager keeping him on the captain's armband. Now, yes, he's got it completely wrong. But, yeah, it's in regards to reading the room. He just has no – we can talk about his lack of awareness on the pitch in regards to defending and the surroundings sort of going on around him. But he doesn't know what's happening around him in regards to the off-field, I don't know, the perception or not even perception. It is reality. But the narrative around him, he's oblivious to it. He's, Tommy, if you look at errors leading to goals, Harry Maguire's name is right up there. 
He's he's a walking calamity. And and the other thing is, uh, who was I having this chat with today? Anyway, uh, it was a, the chat was about Ashley Young. I think it might have been with you. Yeah, I don't know. Ashley Young was a captain that a lot of you Manchester United fans really struggled to get behind. But you couldn't fold his effort. And we thought, you know, we, I remember when Ashley Young was captain, a lot of the commentary was, we have, we've had the likes of Brian Robson. We've had the likes of Bobby Charlton, Roy Keane, Wayne Rooney, Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand, Emmanuel Vidic, Patrice Evra. And now we've got Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia. They were premiership winners for Manchester United. Yeah. Harry Maguire, my, my gosh, he makes me beg for Ashley Young back. He, he, might, he will go down as Manchester United's worst captain. I'm to, unless there's a miraculous turnaround in what he achieves, he will I, I, I go don't down think, as Manchester United's worst ever captain. I'm not one for stats in regard to remembering sort of how many points we had this season, how many points we got this season, but there was a stat going around that we're potentially going to have the lowest points return this season. Now, you can have the lowest points return and you could win two trophies and it'd be a successful season. So I don't read too much into comparing points for different seasons. Every season is different for many different reasons. But if Harry Maguire has captained us to our worst season, which it's on track to be in regards to especially the expectation, not only the worst season in regards to that, but the worst season in regards to losing at home to Manchester City in the fashion we did, getting smacked 5-0 and 4-0 to Liverpool, the way we went out in the European Champions League, there is that, which I completely agree, he goes down as the worst captain in Manchester United history. Okay, that's on Harry Maguire. I can't blame Harry. Well, I am blaming Harry Maguire for that, but I can't really. It goes back to that interview. The manager's picking him. Who, who's going to be first name on the team sheet against Arsenal? And who's going to be first name on the team sheet under Eric Ten Hag on the first day of August next season? It's going to be Harry Maguire, and he's going to be wearing the captain's armband. And that, in my opinion, that is where the problem is. Yes, Harry Maguire is a whole problem in himself, but he's got it in his mind, and he's completely right. The managers are picking him. The managers are rewarding him by selecting him in the team and keep, keeping him as captain. Well, I want to touch on that last point you made there. If you're Eric Ten Hag, Tom, you tell me. I mean, you're saying now he's going to be the first name on the team sheet. He'll be the captain next season. If you're Eric Ten Hag, you've got to make a statement. You can't. Well, of allow course, he does, but he won't. You can't allow for him to be captain after this season. Can you say Eric Ten? And look, I'm share everyone's thoughts and agree with you completely that he needs to come in and strip. Look, here we were last week saying he should be sold. Now we. Was, lent on the side of keep in regards to being realistic. Obviously, the club won't sell him. But in regards to, yes, ideally, he should be sold. And obviously, that does definitely mean stripped in the captaincy. But can you see Eric Ten Hag come in? And yes, we're going to share all this positivity. Can you see him coming in and stripping of the captaincy? Yeah, I can. I think he'll I bring in his own... I think he'll bring in his own player and he'll potentially make that person captain or he'll, he might make David De Gea captain or Bruno Fernandez. I could see... Look, Bruno's the really only obvious candidate. I think he'll struggle to bring in his own player. And I, again, I don't think that that will be met well by the fan base to bring in someone who's never made an appearance for Manchester United being made club captain. Uh, I could say, look, it's either De Gea or Bruno Fernandes. I, I think they're the only obvious choice. Now, again, I can see criticisms and flaws in that. Bruno, given his, his form this season and he's going through his worst patch in a United shirt at the moment. But Bruno just gets it, Tom. I mean, if, if you're telling me to pick one. And just for, for Maguire's own benefit, like he puts his foot in his mouth every time. The Sheffield United comments were embarrassing. And he comes out on the eve of our biggest game and he does it again. He's got to keep but, his damn gob shut. The club is so invested in sort of PR and positive PR. And Harry Maguire, look, I'm sharing all the frustrations, but he gets so much criticism for not doing these post-match interviews. At the end of the day, that's not on him. The club is sending the people out to do the interviews. The club is He's saying, no, that's Scott, it's your turn. 
He has Sorry? to know something will be met with criticism. Well, no, no, I'm saying, no, I'm saying him. One of the criticisms of Harry Maguire is him not doing the post-match interviews. That's not his decision. That's the club. That's Karen Chopwell, the lady there, saying, "David, you're doing the interview today. Scott McTominay, you're doing the interview." And they're sending those players out instead of Harry Maguire because they know they're a little bit soft with the fans. David De Gea is doing it every single week because he's the only one who the fans would have a little bit of respect for at the moment. After a loss to Manchester City, they'll throw Scott McTominay out because he's one who's sort of not man of the match, but in regards to sort of putting a bit of effort in, he's one who the fans won't abuse. Whatever the situation, we will give Harry Maguire a stick. So that is why they don't let him do post-match interviews anymore after these defeats. That's not on Harry Maguire refusing to do interviews or anything. Um, that's players been forced to do that. The, the club are sort of selecting Harry Maguire not to do that. So when the, they do get a microphone in front of Harry Maguire, get him reading off a script. Do not let him share his opinion. Now, yes, we all sit here in terms of social media. We ask for sort of raw and sort of real honest opinion and the players are too scripted. But the situation he finds himself in, if the club do want him to have a future at United, we're all here as fans saying no, but let's say, okay, he's going to be here next season. You've got to start, I don't know, helping him because he's not helping himself. I think you help him by United... They won't sell Harry Maguire, but what I think you will see, and I, look, I, I look at Ralph Rangnick's comments over the last, particularly over the last week, I think he's come out really hard on the point of we're going to rebuild and strengthen the entire squad. Uh, and, and he's really gone hard on that point, the German. And I think Ralph Rangnick won't make comments like that, given how direct and open he is. I don't think he'll make a statement like that unless he knows something's going to happen. Yeah, so just there is one comment. There. statement out. Let me get this last statement out. I think what they'll look to do with Harry Maguire is I think they're going to bring a center back in and I think they might marginalize Harry Maguire and then he'll ultimately try to force his hand to see does he request to be transferred out or not. Yeah, no, look, it will be very interesting. Um, we definitely need to do, need to bring in a defender, especially with the makeup of our back four at the moment. And the, in regards to that number, you talk about Ralph Ray and his post-match interviews. I do want to bring up there is a comment there, but just a comment here in regards to the captaincy. You just mentioned Bruno Fernandes uh, being a potential candidate next season. Hang on, when was the last time Bruno played well from Dion here? And look, regards, regarding, well, forget about Bruno's performances. Yes, his performances at the moment have been woeful, no doubt. I'm talking in regards to a, his suitability to be Man Manchester United captain. Even when Bruno was firing in goals and our player of the season, I was still saying he's the furthest thing from a Manchester United captain. That's when he was our best player. And I'm thinking, I stand by that. And I'm thinking, you said he's potentially our only option, maybe behind David De Gea. But let's say David De Gea doesn't get it because there is something about goalkeepers and captains that a lot of managers don't like that. And you can understand that. So let's throw David De Gea out of the discussion. Harry Maguire leaves. Ronaldo's only here for a season or his situation changes. Ronaldo's out of the equation. Bruno Fernandes, okay, he's not the ideal candidate. Then who? You said Eric Ten Hag might bring someone in. Then we're just having the same situation. Well, what's this guy done in a Man United shirt to sort of get the captaincy? Because that's what happened with Harry Maguire. He's here six weeks. Solskjaer gives him the captaincy. And we're thinking, why is giving it to him? The same thing would happen to if Ten Hag gives it to his own guy. Yeah. And look, that's a really valid point. I think the difference here is if you ask the fan, I mean, look, we put it on our own Instagram. We put a vote out. Tom, we got about 100 votes in there. Harry Maguire, resoundingly, 88% said they don't believe he's a United player. Now, everyone can acknowledge Bruno Fernandes isn't having his best season, but no one, well, 95% of the United's fan base, I dare say, still consider Bruno Fernandes a Manchester United caliber player. And he is. At his best, Bruno's great. 
I think he's suffering from the system. I think he's suffering in terms of his own confidence uh, amongst the many other reasons. Um, but th there's no debate for me that Bruno Fernandes is Manchester United, Manchester United, a Manchester United caliber player. If you can recall when Wayne Rooney was given the captaincy, even that was met with criticism. Now, I think when, when we're rewriting the narrative now, a lot of people will say, oh, Wayne Rooney was a fantastic player for Manchester United, respected club captain. Well, he was actually criticized for being captain. If you can, a lot of a lot of fans thought it's taken the aggressive streak out of Wayne Rooney. Now, was it the aggressive streak or was he simply on the decline or on the wane? No pun intended. But like it's just there will never be a perfect candidate until United lift the Premier League trophy again. So ultimately, if we're choosing the best of a bad bunch, I think Bruno's the one. Yeah, look, at the moment, and look, his performances definitely don't warrant it, but I don't think many players have put their hand up to be the captain. So that will be an interesting debate, and hopefully that is something Eric Ten Hag comes in and does first day of pre-season and sort of nails it down. But that'll um, time will tell. But just the last bit on Harry Maguire, obviously we're not going into any 3-2-1s after, after this game unless you want to give Hannibal three points. But just one thing on Harry Maguire before we move on because Adam brings up a point I want to get into regarding um, Ralph Rank's post-match comments. Again, another sort of stick to beat Harry Maguire with. Again, not reading the room. We talk about players not taking care of their social media and having their agents doing it, having their managers doing their social media for them. We haven't gone into the isolated goals, the first goal, the second goal, the third goal, and the fourth goal, and who was at fault, Harry Maguire playing a part in all of them. See what he did during the week on his Instagram and his Twitter. We, his management team did it, and then he retweeted it. Now, we sit here and we know, obviously, Harry Maguire doesn't run his Instagram account, but if Harry, if a tweet goes out from there or a post goes out, he's obviously held accountable because he's given the go-ahead. But his management team put out a 40-second compilation of him spraying the ball against Norwich. Did you see that? No, I, I can't say I did. <laughs> after, after the game against Norwich, he got into so much criticism. Then there was a 40-minute comp. Go on his Instagram, go on his Twitter page, and there's a 40-second video of Harry Maguire picking the ball up off the back four and spraying oh, balls out to Jaden Sancho on the left-hand side. So, look, well, after he had 10 touches of the ball and all the time in the world. Like, he's... Yeah, that, he's that's, the thing. So were, that's the thing. They were training ground passes. Absolutely no one near him all the time in the world to pick this pass. Fine pass. Good professional pass. Just 50-yard, 60-yard pass. But at home to Norwich with no pressure. Now, fast forward to the 85th minute or whatever against Liverpool. He plays a long pass hospital ball out to young Hannibal. Hannibal, in my opinion, if I, if I receive that pass from my worst player, I'm going to let it go over the sideline and say, well, don't put me in that position. Hannibal tries to control, ultimately does a mistake, but it stems from Harry Maguire's back, bad pass. I'm just saying, again, he's that walking meme. You talk about him doing that stretch before the game, and then he ends up kicking Paul Pogba in that situation, or he headbutts Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Here he is highlighting his one strength, which is passing the ball. And then ultimately he passes the ball, which leads to that fourth goal. And I'm just thinking, that is why, regardless of he's a good defender, bad defender, good captain, bad captain, he everything he touches at the moment turns to shit. And the weird thing is, or the scary thing is, is what I alluded to earlier, he's going to play against Arsenal as our captain. So how, how much more can I blame Harry Maguire? I have to point the fingers elsewhere. Look, Ralph Rennick needs to drop him. There's no two ways about it. Does anyone know where Eric Bay is? I know we, we said he's a bit of a lunatic. Man, I'll put, I'll put Eric Bay in there at the moment. He's a clown, but he's double the player Harry Maguire is. Like, seriously, pull this guy out. Tom, can we run through like just a quick summary of his absolute own goals this season? The comment against Sheffield United. The comment pre-match against Liverpool. Oh, I thought you meant just own goals, like the physical own goals, but yes. Oh, well, yeah. Well, the own goal against Tottenham, we can start there. Um, 
his his little ear celebration against some country I've never heard of playing for England because everyone's criticism of you, mate, was that you couldn't score goals against a country I've never heard of. Not that you couldn't freaking defend in the Premier League. He's just so deluded, mate. He has no concept of reading the room, of the criticism online, the criticism by former legends. He is deluded. He thinks he's in, he's an entitled brat. And seriously, he needs to be pulled out of the squad. I just... I don't know what to say. I, and look, I hate coming on here. I always try to keep it about the performance. I don't want to question Harry Maguire as a person. But if there's anything about his character, you got to say he's one naive, entitled human being, mate. He just doesn't have a clue around uh, with what's happening around him. Well, it definitely leans towards the argument, and this is with no evidence. We can only see what we see sort of reported, and we sort of make our own assumptions. But it has been reported heavily this year in regards to the English players and their sort of refusal to accept criticism and sort of deflecting the blame. You look after a result and there's a leak about Marcus Rashford not happy with the team selection or Luke Shaw um, wanting Richard Pochettino because he's a better man manager than Solskjaer or um, Ralph Rangnick, etc. And Harry Maguire goes into that English category as well of sort of deflecting the blame and it's unfortunate. But I just want to go back here to a comment you sort of alluded to earlier and kind of dominating the headlines a little bit and um, obviously we'll sort of come to fruition as well in the transfer market. But Adam brings up a point here in regards to Ralph's post-match comments saying we could have 6-10 players coming in. I highly doubt it. I don't have the quote in front of me, but it was along the lines of we might not just need three or four players. We'll need five, six, seven, eight, even 10 players. Now, Larry, I think you saw the comment as well. How did you read that? Did you read that as what the team needs in terms of, okay, we all agree that? Or is it along the lines of did you read it as Ralph Frank saying this is what's happening or ideally happening? I will look, if he only said it once, I would say that it's, he's just saying what's happening. But he said something similar either, I think it was post-Norwich, or again, it might have been in the pre-match presser. In one of those press conferences, he's come out and said, it's not going to be a case of getting two or three players. There's going to be more than that. And then he's doubled down today with the comment post-match saying, look, we can all see there's going to be a rebuild. We need to strengthen all areas of the squad. Ralph Rennick's making it very obvious, Tom. This isn't a throwaway premeditated comment. It's clear. And look, he, he isn't an advisory role after all. He must know what's going to happen this season. He's already recommended players that they weren't even scouting for that are now have been put forward to the board. They're, I think that we're going to see a bigger clear out than we think. What's a here we are saying sell all the players, buy a whole new squad? And I'm all ab all aboard that. Happy to see that. Ultimately, we do have to be realistic. What what is realistic in regards to doing it the right way? If you sell 23 players and bring in 23 new players, it's not going to work. Now, who knows? It's not going to work. But who knows? So, but what's realistic in regards to having a good season next season? Because he okay, sell 10 players, buy 10. Because you look at the situation we find ourselves in, there is a strong possibility 10 players could leave. Now, I think given the situation we won't want to bring 10 players in financially, I think the club will convince a few of those players to stay. Probably wrongly, but I think that's how um, we'll limit those incoming signs. I think we'll convince a few players to stay. Who knows, maybe one Matt might come in. Um, I think Eric Ten Hag might be worth a chat to him um, considering some of the other options there. But what is realistic in regards to keeping it sensible in competing next season? I think it's really difficult to say because we don't know what the final makeup of the squad will look like. But if I, if look, if, let's assume, let's assume we're going to bring in five players in. And there's, and the, the other factor we're not considering here, when Ralph Rennick says 
you know, it's not a matter of there might be seven, ten players. We also have to remember there are going to be players coming back on loan, the likes of James Garner, the likes of Ted and Mengi, Ethan Laird. I think those three players are really obvious candidates for potential first-team opportunities next season. And then the bracket just below those players, you've got the likes of Brendan Williams, um, Deshaun Bernard, who's having a great season with Hull in the championship, who no one seems to be talking about. So there's a few players there where there could be an opportunity next season in in the squad. And I think when Ralph Randick's talking about, you know, incorporating all of those players in, in terms of what's realistic, honestly, if we're going to have the level of clear out that they're talking about, I I think a European spot is acceptable. I I, I truthfully do believe that. I think you need to give Eric Ten Hag the ability to say, mate, if you finish sixth, we're behind you because – we, I mean, we, we've tried the short-term thing before. We've tried it with Louis van Gaal. We, we definitely tried it with Jose Mourinho. We, we, we see it. Short-term success is no guarantee. The other thing we need to consider here, this isn't all in Manchester United's hands. We've got two of the world's best football managers in the English Premier League right now. We have Did you no see right Rio Ferdinand's comments the other day? He's talking about what, what does ten or when can Ten Hag challenge for the title? What, what's acceptable? And he's saying first thing he has to get everything perfect. He has to get it exactly right, both on the field, off the field. The club need to get everything right, and Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp need to leave the league. Look, I, I don't necessarily agree with they need to leave the league. Uh, I mean, when Jurgen Klopp came in, can we all remember? I think he had something like six or seven finals, and he had only won one. And Eric Ten Hag lost the final on the weekend and you already seen him be criticised with some United so-called Twitter fans calling for the Dutchman not to be appointed as Manchester United manager. But as you can see, Jurgen Klopp wasn't a guaranteed success story. But Liverpool put the right structure, the right processes around him to ensure he could get as close to guaranteed success as possible. Let's also keep in mind here, Liverpool didn't spend a ridiculous amount of money outside of Virgil van Dijk and, and, and Alisson. It was all the smart, astute recruitment that they made before those two players that allowed them to be successful. They made a Champions League final with Calamity Carius in as goalkeeper, if we all remember his snake tears in that uh, Champions League final loss against Real Madrid a few seasons back. So it just goes to show this season for me, it's not about what Eric Ten Hag does. It's about what does Manchester United do as an organization, as a football club. Are we setting up a football structure to ensure we have a long-term success story regardless of the manager? Or are we going to go down the same path we always have done in that all the hopes on the manager who's not going to be supported and ultimately will inevitably fail? Definitely. Um, I am looking forward to the future at Manchester United, but ultimately I'm not confident. Um, and just okay, your thoughts there. Um, Ralph joining us in the comments. Trust me when I say this, Ten Hag is in for a rude awakening when he arrives. Yeah, I think... Um, I think Rio, Rio put another tweet out in regards to this, and I knew the team wasn't up for the gag in the moment. I walked through the doors. Did you see Paul Scholes' Instagram post? It was only, I think, half an hour or so ago. He came out along the lines of, which all us fans have been saying in terms of a photo of Ten Hag and um, saying, I hope we finish eighth, give this man the time that he needs. So where, where do you stand on this situation in regards to, okay, we did lose this football match, obviously, but it was one of those ones where we're not really talking about dense to a top four race. I think we kind of penciled this, lack of three points in. Um, so how are you looking going into this Arsenal match in regards to this top four battle? Because while it is a disappointing loss, for me, it doesn't really dent our chances. I think this was always going to be a loss. I think Arsenal will likely lose to Chelsea tomorrow, etc. Tottenham will do a Tottenham eventually at some stage as well. So I'm just thinking, where do you stand on these? Yes, we do want Champions League. No, we don't want Europa or Conference, or we want to miss it completely. 
but we not, might not be in a position where we're shit enough to miss it completely. So how are you looking at the um, next couple of games in regards to Ten Hag's fixture list next year? Yeah, it's a difficult one. Look, ultimately, I, I echo Ralph Rennick's comments uh, post-match. Manchester United, his responsibility and these players' responsibility is to get the club finishing as high as possible. You and I had this conversation, I think we, maybe when we did the, the tier in terms of what players should leave and, and go, etc., uh, and we said, and I, I know I came on here and I said, you know what? If we're not going to be in the Champions League, I don't want European football. I, I've changed my stance on that. I, I think if United are in the Europa League next season, ultimately, I don't want to be watching United once a week. I love this football club. The, the, that, that's, that's the thing. And the manager's point of view, and Rob here saying, um, I'll take Europa, not yeah. the conference. I'm weird. I'll actually take the conference league over Europe. I'd like to be the first English team. Actually, I think Leicester's still in the Europe in the Conference League, but I'd like just for the banters because things can't get worse. If we oh, treat yeah. Europa or Conference, let's say Europa, okay, let's say Europa. If Ten Hag was to treat it as a youth tournament, not a youth tournament, you know what I mean? Like literally to play regardless of the opposition. Okay, we have a Premier League team and a European team, and the European team is based of okay, Hannibal, Alanga, Charlie McNeil, um, Young Fernandez at left back, etc., and one or two new signings. If it, we treat it like that, that is where I can see the benefit because you always have to cling to some type of positive as a fan. That is where I will see the benefit of European football. Now, the negative of that is obviously less time on the training pitch. Um, yeah. So, so I agree with you. I, I share the sentiments of, okay, no European football. That gives Eric Ten Hag time. But ultimately, as a fan, and we're sitting here on the other side of the world, we're clinging to anything Manchester United-related. When we're seeing Liverpool play mid midweek game or Arsenal's playing a midweek game or Tottenham, Real Madrid, Barcelona, all these teams have games. I'm sitting here for another five days waiting for United to kick off. I think that's going to be quite boring and depressing as a United fan. Exactly. And like Rob's made the comment here, Europa, another route into the Champions League. And that's another thing. And I think it's something we do need to consider. Um, and look, Tom, while I totally agree with this sentiment of, you know, play the kids, it's an opportunity to see it, that's just not going to happen. You know, it, when, when a manager's job is on the line, it can ultimately save you. I mean, Jose Mourinho finished sixth, I think, sixth or seventh, and won the Europa League. Now, if he doesn't win the Europa League that season, who yeah. knows if he even would have been in a in a job? You know what I mean? So it's really difficult. Uh, so I don't think Ten Hag would do that. Uh, That's where I'd say I'd actually prefer the Conference League because I think it's more of a chance to potentially go down, that, not a complete under-18s team, do but you could go down that route more often. He won't do it though. That's the thing. It just you know these managers they they can't they're not afforded the time, and you're yeah. not given hundred million pound transfer budgets to play the kids. You know what I mean? So yeah. I agree with the sentiment. I just it's it's not realistic for me. No, definitely I agree. And look, who knows what that European picture will look like in a couple of days' time? We obviously have. Uh, the latest instalment in top four cup finals um, in a couple of days against Arsenal. Um, we'll be at the pub at Scruffy Murphy's in Sydney for a rare 9.30pm kickoff. Can't tell you the last time we played Arsenal on Saturday night, early kickoff. Usually they're always 3am Monday, so definitely be taking advantage of that. I'm sure a lot in the live chat will be joining us for a couple of beers and something to eat. Um, if you are in Sydney, um, Scruffy Murphy's 9.30. Um, please take advantage of it. It's always good regardless of the result. It's much better sort of watching the match with a few beers and sort of fellow United fans rather than sitting at home smashing your keyboard after Harry Maguire puts it in the own goal. So anything else you want to discuss before we start to wrap up, mate? No, just uh, look, nice to see a few new names in here as well. Ralph Rennick, thank you for being in here. Um, on a positive, Tom, look at look at this beautiful new display we have. I'm just going to focus on that. 
It is nice. Well, it's a shame with the, when this um, when we got the new kids at the start of the season. This away kit I really did like, and then I'm thinking when I think of why I like kits is because in a year's time or two years' time, you can look back at the photos and think of iconic moments. The iconic photo I have of this one will be Paul Pogba walking off the field away at Anfield. I was hoping, okay, it'd be Bruno Fernandes scoring at the cop end in the 90th minute in the away kit. Like those are the memories you try and have, but ultimately these players have given us all the sort of the wrong type of memories this season. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, even the home kit this season, we loved the home kit if you can think mm. back to when it was unveiled. And um, look, unfortunately, kits are always remembered for what's won in them. When we look back on this season, the home kit's going to be remembered for 5-0 at home to Liverpool and the away kit's going to be remembered for 4-0 away at Anfield. No, definitely. Um, well, as I said, do truly appreciate everyone's um, interaction in the live chat today. There's been so many comments. I apologise if I didn't get to all of them, but um, do truly appreciate that, Larry and I. And we do appreciate all the kind feedback in regards to the new thumbnails and backgrounds and logo, etc. cetera. Um, it is good, Larry. Obviously, the podcast did originate in a pub. Um, it's something we do want to try and get back to and sort of go back to our roots. But obviously, during this whole, is COVID over? I don't know if COVID's over, but since COVID happened, we did make this sort of transition to YouTube, et cetera, which we are enjoying. But um, it would be good. Maybe Saturday night, maybe we can start um, result pending. If we win, maybe we can go back to an original podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Tom, we, we never forget our roots here, but... You know, the times are the times. Um, but in terms of finding the hybrid model, make sure you're joining us on Friday night for your Friday night pint. Uh, Tom and I will be here with our drink, as always, as always. And uh, to talk about all things United, the latest in United, something to look forward to. The, Is the Ten Hag announced by then? To evolve, so. Do you think they announced Ten Hag by then? Uh, I don't think so. I think that the, I mean, based on all the reports coming out, they're still sorting out the compensation fee. And I look, I, I could see it waiting to the end of the season or the last week or something. Oh, no, uh, the, a lot of people now, Sky Sports, and not that they're the most reliable anymore, but a few sort of the reputable sources saying it will be done this week. Well, I think they mean in regards to next week. So it'll be done within a week. Now, how quick they pull the trigger, I think it very well be a sort of Monday morning, 9 a.m. thing next week. Um, but who knows that this club do sort of do sort of some weird decisions in regards to PR and trying to trying to get out in front of things and change the narrative. So it wouldn't shock me um, if before we go live, Ten Hag is announced. But money would be probably um, first thing next week. Can I say um, I just want to put a little bit of respect on David Onstein? I mean, he is the one who broke this story. I know it's always cool to see. Oh, here we go. Whatever. David Ornstein's been at the front of this story. He, he's broken every single bit of news that's come out. So credit to David Ornstein at The Athletic. I think he's an awesome journalist and keeping us up to date on everything Eric Ten Hag. No, plenty here. Make sure you do go and follow him on your social medias and make sure you follow us on all your Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just search UTD Pubcast and you'll find us on there. Make sure you are subscribed, obviously, if you haven't already. If you could leave a like on the video, um, if you don't want Harry Maguire at the club anymore, or captain in, or, or just if you want to cheer us up before the weekend. But as I said, we'll be back on Friday night for a bit of a Friday night point and Arsenal preview. Oh, God, Arsenal preview. I'm already dreading that. Oh, wait, the Emirates. Who knows? Weirdly, probably, yes. But until then, hope everyone has a good one. Larry, pleasure as always. And chat pleasure to you soon, me. man. Cheers. Cheers.